listening to Soundbite, a podcast that's food for your ears. I'm Celine Roberts. This week, I'm taking you on a walk in the woods on the hunt for chanterelle mushrooms with Kevin and Tom Patterson. Kevin and Tom are brothers who have been foraging commercially for around 15 years. They started a business called Wild Purveyors, providing locally foraged foods to consumers, which Kevin still runs. Tom now works independently from the company in the field as a forager supplying chefs in the region. With both of them constantly out in the woods or on the road, they are a hard pair to track down. But on a rainy Sunday morning in August, we were all able to meet up to talk mushrooms. Here's the story. I'm Kevin Patterson, co-founder of Wild Purveyors. We're going out on a walk today to collect chanterelles and uh, talk about wild forage foods in western Pennsylvania. Okay, my name's Tom Patterson. Uh, Kevin and I are both brothers. I am 36 years old. Kevin's my older brother. I am co-founder with Kevin Wild Purveyors. I also went to school for farming, agricultural college at Penn State, studied horticulture and mushroom science. And now I'm putting my studies to good use in the field, 24-7. How did you become interested in foraging? Uh, okay, well, I don't know if you, like, my brother and I were always, like, traveling with my parents and stuff. We were fortunate like that, and just, just to kind of get a sense of, um, we, we grew up with a good sense of, like, you know, culinary appreciation. So, and then, like, I went to school, I was always in the natural woodsy stuff, like, my mom was like, oh, he's running around in his underpants when he was a little boy, and it was, and so then, like, I went to school for horticulture, and, um, mushroom science and plant pathology at Penn State. So like if you want to learn mushrooms in the East Coast, like your best bet is to go to Penn State. They're more oriented on cultivation. So I grew a lot of shiitake, maitake, reishi, things like that you can grow. Terms especially mushrooms uh, that are on the exotic end of farmable, cultivatable mushrooms. So that's what I did in college. And I started getting a little bit of field experience and I had a few great professors that were like inspiring on that end and I was always wanted to get into like bioprospecting and that like go to the Amazon and find medicine and stuff like that. Um, but uh, uh, my brother and I just, I mean, I was still in school just when I was really picking up the mushroom studies and I would be home from college in the summer, a few summers. and. Uh, we farmed a lot of organic produce at my father's, so we we uh, started finding chants like around the year 2001, I think, or 2000. Did we start selling the chefs? Yeah, yeah. And um, I was in school from '99 to 2004. So, um, so we started selling chants, and like the first couple of years, we were really lucky. We had like nice bumper crop. And so we had chance and heirloom tomatoes, and that's kind of how we started the business. And we built up a little bit of seed money, started um, buying some other local farm-raised product to keep the list going through the year, you know, frozen meats, cheeses through the winter, all that stuff. Um, and, you know, it just kind of, like, helps support the advancement of our knowledge, you know. And, and then the more we started traveling the farms across the state, the more we could get out and this or that place and discover more, learn more. Um, it just kind of bloomed from there. 
And now that the shop isn't up, like you don't have a physical location, is your day-to-day -day out foraging and Yeah, I'm like dedicated wild these days, yeah. I'm just day-to-day -day out, like, through the summer this time of year, high mushroom season, and it's like every day, like, and I have, like, demand that I can't give up a day, especially if it's raining. Like, you get, start getting a little discouraged when it's dry out, and then, like, I'm in that situation, I might have to resort to fruits only, like, at this time of year. Um, other products, like, that grow in water systems, like cattail shoots or uh, uh um, watercress, sorry, stuff like that, you know, when there's no mushrooms, but, um, like for instance, I'm going down to the shore next week to take beach plums, it's a native plum, real small, looks like a blueberry kind of, but really rather prolific on a bush or a small shrubby tree, so, um, yeah, yeah, Crunus maritima, it grows, um, like right behind the sand dunes. We should check this little spot right up here and then hike up towards that. Uh, there might be a just a broken limb. Oh, uh, yeah, 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 that always. I, hey, yeah, I got here. You want to reach my backpack and get binoculars? Oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Nice, Tom. That's a specific reason to uh, scope chicken mushroom from 100 yards away. <laughs> it's like a, it's like a beacon. I mean, it's large and, and bright orange and it catches the light really well. and. You know, uh, it's it's typically enough to pull you uh, from outside of the woods into the woods, but uh, it definitely can be yeah, it's probably with, a branch, uh, broken a broken limb, or or in this case, looks like maybe uh, a fallen a fallen branch that a deer has been sharpening its antlers on. <laughs> and then now the Let's take a step back and tell me a little bit about what we're scoping for today, given that it's what, well, late August. Yeah, we find chanterelle mushrooms. Like the spot we're in here, what I know, I know it to be more productive, like early, mid-July. Uh, I started seeing mushrooms early July here. We had like some decent moisture, but- um, It's been a strange season. Yeah, it dried up around here mid-July. How long will this season last for chanterelles? Uh, gosh, um, it is possible to harvest the smooth chanterelle um, uh, anytime like late June. Uh, I've been hearing qualified reports up into early November, like uh, one guy in the Cleveland area, but like into October. There is such a thing as an elusive October patch, which I've been trying to track down in central PA, <laughs> but... Uh, I do get chance like well through Labor Day usually. I, um, I found it as late as the first week of October, but never later. So. So. But usually it's like mid-September. Just depends. In Western Pennsylvania, in one of the best years, we literally collected over 5,000 pounds uh, in spots that we've gone to for you know over a decade. So if 5,000 um, pounds is exceptional, what would be a, like a standard year? 1,000 pounds, 2,000 pounds, you know. Um, it's, it's so incredibly weather dependent. So like I start picking around Pittsburgh, it's like lower lands and it comes in earlier. It's a little warmer here. 
Um, and then, like, I'll extend my season up into the mountains, in the Laurel Highlands, Central PA. Uh, yeah, you can see them uh, in yeah. here. So like this is chanterelle right here. This is not a very like you know they get much larger than that. They will grow it's probably ten times the size of that. But um, that's a nice form to it. Though. That's a good form yeah. to it. Yeah, there's some. So this is like this is more of a typical size. You know, what we would yeah. expect to see. Yeah, that's a nice kind of like commercial culinary the workable size there. It looks like a flower. Um, you know, it has a very floral aspect to it. The curling edges that kind of uh, roll over a little bit at the top. Some of the chanterelle, spe uh, the chanterelle varieties in the species are described uh, as trumpets. Uh, so like it has this aspect where it grows up from a very small uh, point and gets larger as it uh, gets to the top. But it doesn't have a typical mushroom form where it gets to a cap and then has a, has a distinct cap. I mean, this is more like a, it's more like a trumpet. Uh, or flower, um, it's beautiful. Light orange color, smell uh, yellow. Like they have uh, an aroma beer. that is described as apricot. Um, it has uh, like peppery notes. Uh, can have peppery notes. Um, Very mild. Yeah. Um, but it's. Um, I would say more like black pepper kind of mild. A little bit of. Uh, it's, it's molecules are oil, like primarily oil oil soluble. So um, has a lot of vitamin C too. The orange, you know. Um, so it lends its flavor best in a cooked scenario. Tie it up with some butter. Exactly. So we're out walking around in this woods, and we talked a little earlier about having respect for the earth in general, but also the ground that you're foraging on. Can you tell me how you work to preserve, preserve on the day-to-day -day basis? Um, well, you know, everyone, especially with uh, supply and restaurants, uh, you know, we, we maintain 100% transparency uh, with um, agricultural products that we sell, uh, whether it be produce, cheese, meat, you know, uh, cultivated mushrooms, what have you. And everyone always wants to know where uh, you know, things come from. But with forage mushrooms, because of the aspect where, you know, we're, we're a guest in these woods, you know, it almost doesn't matter who owns the land, you know, um, the vast majority of uh, locations that we forage are private property, um, and we have, you know, express permission to forage there. So uh, in that relationship alone, we don't share the exact location because we're, we're protecting that person's property, you know, but... Uh, in regard to uh, it not mattering who owns it. I mean, like, this is a sensitive ecosystem. Mushrooms are extremely sensitive in terms of, uh, you know, uh, the, the right climate, temperature, humidity, so on and so forth. Uh, and, you know, they're also sensitive to, you know, pollution and um, uh, littering and, and over, you know, over traffic uh, as well. You know, people not generally just not respecting the land and kind of one of the unfortunate natures about um, about mushroom foraging, collecting mushrooms is uh, a, the vast majority of it lends to like um, uh, disruption or, or what have you, uh, damage uh, lends to ignorance. You know, it's not it's not particularly people not being respectful. It's just they don't know how you know to to treat it properly. Um, and as we touched on earlier, 
um, mushrooms are, um, they're subterranean. The body is subterranean. It lives under the surface of the ground. And what we actually collect is the fruiting body. Uh, so while you're walking around and collecting that mushroom, you're trampling on, you know, uh, you're trampling on the organism. And, and if you're not careful in doing so, um, or there's just too much traffic, you can absolutely damage and kill it, you know. Um, so uh, we always try and protect the grounds that we go to um, to help to preserve the species, really, um, you know, with as much development as happening uh, in this day and age where forests are being cut down for housing plans and strip malls. You know, it's, uh, I think, important to, to not... Um, not disrupt these scenarios any more than uh, than what is naturally going to occur. Chanterelles, as a uh, as a food, have been you know uh, documented as far back as the 16th century. You know, so like these these are not new mushrooms. You know, like they've been growing here probably for hundreds, if not thousands, of years. You know, um, we've been fortunate enough you know, blessed to find some of these scenarios. Uh, so we, you know, we try and treat them with respect. Walk lightly. Exactly. And you know, what's, uh, what's really cool about this particular spot. Um, this is like Hartwood Acres is, uh, a place that, that Tom and I went in, uh, in 2000, one of the first years that we, we went and started foraging together. Um, Independently, prior to that, we both had like you know started to do some things. But uh, Tom had uh, just graduated from Penn State, had an academic uh, background, and you know some knowledge of of what to look for, what you know what to stay away from. Um, and being able to see this over the last 16 years, and this like this particular embankment right here, I've collected chanterelles here for like you know. Uh, a long time, you know, seeing them grown in different scenarios, and uh, it's pretty cool. When you're collecting in a certain area, do you clean it out? As foragers, the more I talk to people that are in the woods, like on a yearly basis, and, and regular harvesters, the more the philosophy is that you're aiding uh, the distribution of the spores. So think about it in an ecological sense. Um, these mushrooms uh, are coming to, the mycelium in the ground is coming together to mate and when they join together two different varieties they uh, produce offspring via the mushroom. The mushroom is spreading sexual spores. So and if you look at the ones that essentially it has a greater advantage to spread its spores if you're taking it away from its location of origin. Mm -hmm. um, and pickers, experienced pickers do report even more mushroom production the more you pick year after year, year after year yeah. and if you look at what we're collecting collecting by the for the vast you know for the most part is they're larger mushrooms they're mm -hmm. easier yeah this collect. is like kind of last flush around, conditions if you look and around they get through these bigger grasses, but less them. numerous yeah yeah and, and there's little ones all over the place you can't collect everything and when you're doing the actual plucking is there a philosophy to that as well I mean how much do you want to pull out like are you cutting it off just at the tip there I mean generally I'm using my thumbnail and just kind of pinching it mm -hmm. um, but yeah you don't I do like to kind of break it 
at the base and supposed to like rip it out mm -hmm. i mean whatever happens happens but like essentially it's like plucking an apple from a tree the vast majority of its body is the mycelium is underground hypogeous organism meaning it's beneath the earth um so you're essentially seeing the apples on the crown of the tree emerging from the earth Let's um let's start hiking back up out this way and not get too much deeper in here. You're collecting exclusively in paper bags. Like this we could throw into a box and straight into the fridge. Um like the less you know handling mechanical damage, you transfer containers, like the easier the mushrooms get damaged. Um so paper is the best way to store them at cold temperatures um, and then like if you're out all day and you're collecting in plastic after a few hours your mushrooms can turn to mush because they cannot breathe they can't well, transpire the same, same or respirate. Goes for going from one environment to the other so when you go to the cold um, and, uh, like the, the mushrooms will they sweat yeah okay so like when they sweat and moisture uh, gets onto the surface of the mushroom that immediately starts to cause rot so Paper uh, also wicks away uh, moisture as well. So my exception is I will wrap plastic around paper to protect in rainy conditions. <laughs> that does. chanterelles have look-alikes that are poisonous? Yes, yes. Uh, the most commonly mistaken, and it also emerges right at the same time of year, is the jack-o'-lantern mushroom. Um, the most common, there's several species of jack-o'-lantern that occur around here. The most common is Omphalotus uh, illudens. So it, the most noticeable distinction between that mushroom and chanterelle is that the jack-o'-lantern, um, grows off of dead wood. Um, so like see this, let's call this a dead oak tree, but it's shared. So anyway, the tree, uh, like it'll be growing usually right at the base, either right off the wood or like right next to the dead part. Usually you can notice it's the tree has compromised health, um, usually. Uh, and whereas chanterelles will be like out there in the soil. Um, there can be a really confusing scenario. I have actually seen them growing literally like within inches of each other, um, where uh, a young um, jack-o'-lantern looks most like a chanterelle. Uh, they get pretty big and blown out, and they do have very noticeable gills, whereas the chanterelle has what we call false gills. They're not raised ridges. They're not like a paper margin. Um, it's it's just a rolled over kind of rib on the hymenium of the mushroom, the spore producing surface. Um, but jack-o'-lantern has like regular gills, uh, tightly packed and like uh, a deep, um, it's, it's, it's deep into the cap and it's a raised gill. So it's, it's really noticeable like up close against the chanterelle um, though, like I said, a very confusing scenario, like, like 
the jack lantern would be growing from a dead root like further down in the soil and it'll appear to be emerging from the soil just like a chanterelle um, that happens occasionally so uh, people do get some serious gastrointestinal distress from chanterelles usually it's you know amateurs looking for chanterelles and they find jack-o'-lantern instead so is that the extent of what might happen to you if you ate a jack-o'-lantern mushroom yeah you're going to want to get medical attention you're going to want to probably get your stomach pumped and um because it, it, it could potentially cause like um yeah like a, like you're approaching organ failure on some levels. Maybe your liver is damage compromised. So, in large kidneys. quantities, damage at the very least. Okay. Um, the, uh, not just like an upset tummy. Y- no. Yeah, it's not like a amatoxin from like amanita mushrooms, which is deadly. Mm-hmm. Um, that will literally destroy your organs. Yeah, the uh, the destroying angel, uh, death cap. Uh, you know, it's a white uh, amanita that comes up in our region. It grows in our region, and and it's. It doesn't not look like an edible mushroom, you know, and and it's said that, you know, it's the most delicious mushroom that's the last one you'll ever eat, you know, type mm-hmm. of thing, because it, it does cause renal failure, failure, like it destroys your, you know, your organs, um, destroy an angel. The underlying and most important lesson, no matter what, 100% identification, 100%. Don't, you know, leave any yeah. room for... Be certain if you're going to eat it, you want to like two species level. You want to be certain. Well, and, gamble and on yourself. You Fine, go ahead, gamble on yourself. Never gamble on anybody else. Yeah. <laughs> so take your own life a, in your a hands. A good forager <laughs> and investigator of mushrooms is always certain of just how uncertain he is at any one time. The philosopher's game of foraging. To learn more about chanterelle mushrooms, Tom and Kevin recommend Mushrooms of North America by Roger Phillips, as well as books from mushroom experts Arlene and Alan Bissett. For more soundbite, visit our archives at www.pghcitypaper.com. Until next time, go out and have yourself a food adventure.